Matthew 23, verse 13. It says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift? Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things their own. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and ass and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are, without, are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And ye say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we're just glad to turn to your word. Um, thank you for the reading of it. And Lord, we just ask your continued blessing, your help this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help me as I'm speaking, that um, the things that I say would be true and right and glorifying to you, Lord. Um, I just ask for your help in that this morning, and Lord, that people would be drawn closer to you um, in some way, see and hear you in the things that we say and do this morning. And Lord, again, we just ask for your continued help. In Jesus' name, amen. When we... If you were here last week, I had mentioned the previous chapter and a half 
was this back and forth conversation with the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these lawyers. And then he turns to the disciples and to the multitude and he starts talking to them about the people he was just talking with. And if you try to picture the setting where everybody is, it's like It's like he's trying to teach the crowd. And these other, the religious leaders, just keep coming in and interrupting. And then they go aside, and then they start having this conversation like, okay, that didn't work. What can we get him with now? What, what are we going to go with? What question can we ask? And then they come back and interrupt him again. <laughs> and I, I really think that that's more or less the picture of what's going on here. Because we just saw him in the first part of this chapter turn from that conversation back to the crowd, and he starts instructing them about, and he, he speaks of the scribes and Pharisees and says they, they sit in Moses' seat. You need to respect them. And he gives some things that, but, don't do what they do, and, and here's some problems that they have. And then he gives some instruction on how to, how to do that, how to do that appropriately. And now, he just finished talking to the crowd, and he starts what we just read, um, which is often just referred to as the, the eight woes, or, or whatever, the woes against the Pharisees, and the scribes and the Pharisees. So he turns from one, has this conversation, he turns to the other group, has a conversation with them. We often don't think about the fact that those guys are still there listening to what the instruction he's given to the crowd about them. And they're there. Can't imagine, if you're a parent, if you've got your kids in a setting and you're having some conversation with some other adults and you turn to the kids and say, Okay, what they're saying, you need to respect them. They're your elders. Do what they tell you, but don't do the things that they're doing. Don't act like they're acting. And then you go back to your conversation with the guy. It seems our culture has a picture of Jesus that is not the picture that we see of Jesus in the Bible, is it? This loving, caring person who would never hurt anybody's feelings is not the Jesus of the Bible. <laughs> when we get to this point, if you can read this and think that that's the Jesus of the Bible, you're not reading your Bible. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, I've done this before, but I didn't read this as if I'm speaking for Jesus. But I try to picture what kind of tone would Jesus have had as he's saying this passage that we just read. Is Jesus dramatic? <laughs> or is he subdued? <laughs> is this like a woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees? Is, it, is that the kind of... I kind of picture it that way. <laughs> it could be woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> like... Either one fits, right? <laughs> it's 
there's a problem and it's being addressed loud and clear. There's no doubt as to what Jesus is trying to get across to these people, is there? And we need to be like that. When we're talking to people in the world, we need to be like that. We need to be willing to have the conversation with our kids in front of the people that are doing wrong. To be able to turn to somebody and teach them about this worldliness and this wrong attitude, whether it's in the religious leaders or, or some lost person, doesn't matter, but we need to be willing to have that conversation, be frank with people, and to call out to people's faces what's wrong. <laughs> we need to be willing to do that. And it's not wrong, it's not ungodly, it's not unchristlike. That's following the example. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I need to be willing to speak out and call out the things that people are doing wrong. Do you ever think about, and I didn't look up the verse, Jesus somewhere in scripture says, whosoever calleth another a fool is in danger of judgment or hellfire. What does Jesus do in this passage? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I read that. Ye fools and blind. <laughs> so there's, there's some discernment going on here, isn't there? We need to understand the context of those kinds of instructions because Jesus uses those exact words. He doesn't say you're going to hell if you do that. He says you're in danger. <laughs> you can do it right and you can do it wrongly. So we need to be careful and cautious in the way that we call people fools. Um, and it needs to be done in a way that's intended to give the correction that's needed, of course. We get into these, and I'm not going to go through each one of these all today, just in case you're looking at your watches already. <laughs> I'm going to look at maybe the first one or two. And he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. You shut up the kingdom of heaven. I don't some people get worried about, or all hung up on this, the wording of kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, and what are we referring to specifically? And salvation, just leave it at that. <laughs> We're talking about salvation. And they're shutting up the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're blocking people from getting saved. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourself like, you're not going. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, the top Bible teachers of Jesus' day, Jesus plainly says, you're not going in. <laughs> we need to watch religious people <laughs> and understand when it's just a front and there's no belief in Christ. I'm going to go to, to John chapter 9. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter because I can't pick out a portion of it to, to read. There is only a small portion of it that specifically applies, but I, I just want us to see the whole picture. So 
If you're like me, when somebody else is reading, I just kind of zone out and disappear, but try to pay attention to the storyline as we read through here. Um, and I, I gotta say, if, if we're reading different versions and it's harder to try to just follow and you're losing what the story is, you're better off to just listen to the story and try to follow the story or just read and ignore me while you read the story, one or the other. But don't try to do both at the same time if your brain can't follow the story and decipher the thing at the same time anyway. So I'm going to read John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but the works of God, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He sent his way, he went his way therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, Is not this he that was sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and I do see. It's like it's, the story gets shorter, right? <laughs> I've told you this already. Um, Verse 16, therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that, they had, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means now he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know 
that this man is a sinner? And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard it was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into the world, that they which see, see not, might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Now, I know it's a long passage to read, but what a great story, isn't it? <laughs> it's, this is, you see the whole picture from when Jesus came across the guy, he's sitting there blind, the question's asked, why, why is he blind? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Like, how can someone be born blind and it's because of his own sin, right? And Jesus, no. <laughs> so that God can be glorified. That's, that's the reason. And so, and then we go through this process and people are trying to figure out, is that him or is it not? And he's like, yes, it's me. I'm him. <laughs> and he explains what happens. And then we get into the, the Pharisees, right? And they start questioning him. And he answers, they don't believe him. And so then they bring in his parents. This is the Sabbath day. Everybody's gathered around the synagogue, right? So this is where we're at. It's basically we're, we're in church and all this is taking place like just around the, the church, right? And so they're there. They call the parents and they come and, yep, that's our son. Yep, he was born blind. I don't know what happened, but yeah, he obviously can see now because look at him. <laughs> He's walking around without hitting stuff. You get this whole process. But you see in there, and I don't know the exact verse, if I can find it again, but it, it says that they had planned ahead of time that if anybody confessed that Jesus was the Christ, they were going to put them out of the synagogue. So this guy's parents 
don't dare to say too much. And it doesn't say what they actually think, does it? It indicates that they said very little, probably because they believed more than what they let on that they did, because they were fearful of being put out of the synagogue. What is that? Our, our Baptist church circles aren't to particularly like this, particularly. <laughs> but some others are. Like, if you're part of the Mormon church, like, your entire community is based around your church family. Your business depends on your church family. Your job depends on your church family. Everything in your life depends on them. And if you turn, if you're put out of that church, your life is ruined. It's like that here, where your entire life is bound by your being permitted into this synagogue. And so these religious leaders have a power over people that is way beyond what God would normally or intended for religious leaders to have over people. I should have no influence over you outside of your spiritual... <laughs> if, if I have anything to do with your job, it should be to, to be a blessing to you in that and maybe give a reference of your character. <laughs> but it shouldn't be to be able to hinder you from, from participating in life outside of the church, that's for sure. And so this is the power and the control that the Pharisees have. And this is a perfect picture of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 23 about them hold, like blocking the entrance to the kingdom of heaven. Like They have this control over people that if they were to confess Jesus as the Christ, you were going to be put out of the synagogue and we're going to ruin your life if you, if you confess to believe that. And so this blind man's parents fell for that and would not confess Jesus as the Christ. They failed to make that extra step. They may have believed it. They may have known there's no way he could have done this as a man. He has to be the Christ. How many people have been taught the gospel, taught what the Bible says, they know that it's true. They know that Jesus was. They know that he did the things that he did. And yet, they fail to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. They can't... I've been listening to a guy this, this week who's very, very much about the simplicity of the gospel and very much about not adding to the gospel any requirements. What does the Bible say? Like when in Acts it says, what must I do to be saved? It's not a long explanation, is it? It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's believe on Christ. And there's some implications to that that you have to understand your, your sin and your the judgment that's going to be against you for your sin. And you need to believe that he is the son of God. He, you need to believe that his death on the cross was sufficient to pay for your sins. But it's, you believe that, 
can apply to me. Not just believe that the stuff happened, but you believe it for yourself. You believe that I need it and it's sufficient. And you just accept that that's the truth. That's salvation. That's the gospel message is believe that that was done for you. And so it's not a, enough like the parents here to, to, to know the facts, but we need to believe that those facts apply to us. And we get into this. Isn't this incredible in this story? How this man starts preaching <laughs> to the Pharisees? In verse 30, the man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not whence he is, and he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. Like, he gets into this, he starts preaching to these guys. And it's right. <laughs> he's right, exactly, in the things that he says to them. And their answer, verse 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? Like, how dare you? <laughs> you can't teach me anything. I know. Right? What, a, what an attitude. Now, this, this is a perfect picture of what Jesus is saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for shutting up the kingdom of heaven. For ye neither go in, nor permit others to go in. Right? That's... This is a picture of that exact thing happening in action. It's not this theoretical, you do this. It's like, we've watched you do this. I've, here's a written note, full story account of you doing that exact thing. Woe unto you. You, <laughs> there's trouble coming for you for that. The judgment for blocking some, like, it's one thing for me to reject Christ, but if somehow I prevent you from receiving Christ, if I block you from believing the gospel, the judgment on me is double, twofold, whatever. It's far greater judgment against me if I prevent you from receiving that, right? A Bible study this week, I mentioned I was watching just clips of, of various teachings, and um, I think I was looking up. I don't remember what. <laughs> I was looking something up, and I came across this, just a clip of a Hindu guy speaking to a crowd, proclaiming that if somebody could show him from the Bible a place where Jesus clearly claims to be the Son of God or the Christ, he would believe and go on and serve God. Well, I just read it, didn't I? <laughs> it's that statement at the end here. Jesus finds him outside of the synagogue where he's been kicked out. Jesus, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? He already calls him Lord. He's just verifying here, right? 
verse 37, he says, And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Okay. Slightly cryptic. <laughs> but not very, is it? That's, that's, that's a dis definite statement that I am. He's, he asked him, do you believe in the Son of God? He says, I am he. <laughs> this isn't the only time where he's done this. But here's, since we're already here, this is a plain example of Christ claiming to be the Son of God. And what does Jesus ask the man? He's asking, do you believe in the Son of God? This is not a whole bunch of other questions, is there? There's one question, because one thing is necessary. Do you believe in that? He's not worried. Well, not that he's not worried or concerned about the, the person's life and the sin. That's, a, that's another issue altogether, isn't it? Our salvation isn't based on me cleaning up my life to be good enough for God. My salvation is dependent on me understanding that I am not good enough for God. And I won't ever make myself good enough for God. I need to believe on Jesus who was. That's it. So I'm not going to try to clean myself up first. So Jesus wasn't telling him, you need to clean yourself up. He says, do you believe? That's what needs to be asked. And that's what we need to understand is what we need to do is believe. I'm also going to just turn to, in our, in our Bible study, we're in Revelation. We finally just finished chapter 3. And there's the letters to the seven churches. And pretty much every one of them, I won't say every one, I don't know if it is for sure or not. But at the end of each letter to, the, to these seven churches, Jesus makes an interesting statement. If I can find one of those, it would be great. Um, so if we go to chapter 3, verse 5, it says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And I would just... That verse, and that's the, the verse that I actually was hoping for here. Um, people use this to teach that you can lose your salvation. Because it says, I will not blot out your name out of the book of life. But men, notice that it says, I will not. <laughs> not that I might or would. or This, this, this is a, people twist the verse and assume that the opposite might be true because he said this part. This is an affirmation to us that I will not. And how do we overcome? It says, he that overcometh. Is my overcoming something that I do? It's not. It's is if it's within me to overcome, it's not going to happen. If you go to 1 John chapter 5, First John chapter 5, verse 5, says he, sorry, who is he that overcometh the world? 
but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. How do you overcome? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the exact thing that Jesus asked the man. Do you believe in the Son of God? That's it. That's the answer to all of it is, do you believe in the Son of God? And to him that overcometh? Well, who overcomes? It's whoever believes in the Son of God. That is the answer from Scripture to that question. The previous verse is an important verse. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's just a faith, put your faith in Christ, believe in him, and you will overcome the world. It's through our faith, not through our, our actions and the, my power in my flesh in some way. I can't do this. It is, can only be done through Christ. And in that is through just trusting him with that thing entirely. Somewhere probably in this same chapter, John writes this statement, says, These things write I unto you, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. He's writing this stuff so that you can understand I have that assurance. If I've believed that gospel message, I have eternal life. Not that I might have if I... There's no ifs in the gospel. You believe and you have eternal life in you. And that can't be taken away. That's... You can know that you have eternal life. If I know today that I have eternal life, that means tomorrow I can't do something that undoes that. <laughs> right? I've already placed my trust in Christ. I believe that he is the Son of God. I have eternal life. Now what we do from that point forward is really the point of why we gather like this and study the word because there's a lot of instruction to us in what to do from that point. But none of that dictates or has any bearing on our salvation. It's just a life that's pleasing to God from that point on. I'm just going to go back. I'll read that in Matthew 23 one more time. Matthew 23, verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. You see that they deny Christ, right? They, they denied who he is. And therefore, they do not enter in themselves. And like I said, it's far worse that they're actually blocking other people from entering in. They're, they're preventing people from believing. And that would be the greater woe. There's a greater... Therefore, ye shall receive the greater damnation. 
if you've stopped someone else from believing, if you've been a hindrance to somebody else believing the gospel, if you've given a list of requirements of things that a person needs to do to be saved outside of believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, you become a hindrance to that person and their salvation. And unto you is a greater damnation for it. We need to be careful that we keep the gospel message just the gospel message. The other teachings that we give shouldn't hinder that, right? It shouldn't cause someone to doubt their salvation outside of this. If they believe there's salvation there, there's some other things that need to change in people's lives. Still working on some of that. <laughs> but I believe. And I don't want to hinder anybody from believing in that gospel message. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at some of these passages and we see the way that Jesus interacts with people, it's not the way that um, our modern world pictures Jesus. It's not the, the kind, friendly person who would never say a mean thing, but Jesus is very blunt in the way that he deals with people and their sin. And so, Lord, help us to follow his example. Help us to understand the simplicity of the gospel message as it's given in the scripture, Lord. That all we do need to do is believe that Christ is that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins and that that was sufficient as payment for our sins. I just need to believe in that, Lord. So we thank you for that simplicity, Lord. Help us to understand it. Help us to, to trust in that alone. And we just, again, we commit the time to you. In Jesus' name.